This is the EWN Podcast Network. I'm Debbie Waisaki, and we're here today to learn about living the luxury lifestyle. And um, it's a brand new podcast, and we want to introduce you to what I believe is one of the most influential people in our community, Stefan Tavidjian. And he has the unique and distinct pleasure of being Billy Graham's oldest grandson, and or, or eldest grandson, I should say, not necessarily the oldest person. But I met him uh, because he's one of the associate pastors at Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale, which is where I attend. And I met him in various different capacities um, throughout my business relationship. So we're here today to talk about the luxury lifestyle of South Florida and how rich it can be. Now, Stefan loves the outdoors. I understand he loves boating and you couldn't be in any better place than the Venice of America. (laughs) He's married to Lisa and has five kids and five grandkids. Is that right? It's now seven grandchildren. Oh, your assistant did not uh, update the Bible. No, they are coming quickly. These And in fact, they're all going to invade our home here in the next two hours. So they all live in this beautiful South Florida community. And um, and grandkids are so much fun. My kids can wait a little while, but, uh, but um, kids are so much fun. And we have so much to offer people in South Florida. But what I learned going through, one of the things we're gonna talk about today is when we're blessed with wealth and um, how we can share the richness of our experiences with others. And I think that's one of the lessons that you shared uh, with uh, the group from LifeWork Leadership from your grandfather and your grandmother. Um, I love some of the stories that you that you shared with us. So right now you're still an associate, associate pastor at Calvary Chapel and you chair the board of directors. That sounds like a huge responsibility, is it? <laughs> oh, it, it, there are times when it is. It's always a huge responsibility, but uh, that's a wonderful church with a wonderful team. And uh, and I just uh, I work behind the scenes. So it sounds it sounds very, you know, very responsibility kind. And, and I guess it is because when you're board of directors, but um, we have a if we couldn't do the job without the great team there. So. I would say, I think the way they have it segmented out, and I had the pleasure of um, interviewing Pastor Ruben, because I think um, in this interesting season of COVID, people always are looking for hope and reaching out, Mm. but he did a great job of inviting people to just check Calvary out, because there's something for everybody somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yes. And um, And then I heard about the National Christian Foundation. So, and I still don't have a great handle on what it is and what you do. I just send a lot of money there. So can you explain that? Well, Debbie, first of all, thank you for inviting me on this. And I love the idea behind this because I think that for people who are moving into South Florida, you know, they, they may be not familiar with the neighborhoods and the streets. And finally they find out, find where their grocery store is and their pharmacy and they get their doctors and they, 
and they identify the school for the kids. But many times it takes them a long time to figure out the fabric of a community. Like, you know, what, what is this community really, really like? Um, obviously it doesn't take uh, long for someone to drive up and down our streets and see that there's beautiful homes and big old yachts and fancy cars. And, and there is this sense of like, Oh my goodness, I've, you know, this must be utopia. And yet there's, uh, there's so much more of, um, of our community is the, is the fabric and the culture of the people here. You know, when you think of our church community, you think of the arts, you think of uh, the way generosity is expressed, um, all those kinds of things. So, you know, I moved down to South Florida when I was just going into high school, moved from Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And my dad had a big change, huge change. My dad had gotten his doctorate in psychology and had come down here to go into private practice. And we were so excited because we saw a picture of the house that my parents had bought and had a slide and a pool and a palm tree. And we thought, oh, my gosh, this is the best place to live. And I came down here and haven't um, and I've lived all over the world. But and I came down here and I was like, OK, this is home for me. And so this is where I met my wife been married for 34 years. This is where we've had our five children. This is, and honestly, our seven grandchildren still live around. I mean, they're five minutes from us. So our family has deep roots in this community because not just because we love the weather, but it's honestly, it's because of the fabric of this community, you know, the people, the culture. Now there's some weirdos like in any community, there's some weirdos. (laughs) doesn't take long to find those, but, but there are some amazing, amazing people. And so, that's sort of an overview. And then all the things that I'm involved with, I, National Christian Foundation and many of the things we do underneath there are basically are basically uh, an organization that just sort of augments and, and supports all these great things going on in there. And I can tell you more as we go along. But um, we love South Florida. Yes. And it and because I think it starts with the weather, it's a warm climate. So it's a year round, what we call a destination city in real estate. So people love to stop here. And um, and then I think when you start setting down those routes, you say, okay, I found a great place to live. I've got the kids settled. Now, how can we become involved? And then, then you find your place of worship. And um, I would say a good portion of our entrepreneurs or professionals and say, so how can we plug in? How can we give back? Because that's important to not only for adults, but to teach our children the importance of giving back, that it's not just all about us. So, um, and that speaks to the National Christian Foundation. How did you start that? Yeah, so the, to help the National Christian Foundation to understand it as, um, think of it as if you're familiar with the concept of a community foundation. So here in South Florida, we have several wonderful community foundations. Um, may, any major city in America typically has a community foundation, and that's basically an organization. Think of it as almost a charitable bank. And that's an organization where individuals uh, such as yourself or myself can go to that organization. We can open up an account mm-hmm. and think of it as a, as a giving account. Okay. And you can put a dollar in that account and you can put a million dollars in that account. But you put money in that account. And because we're a nonprofit, the minute you put money into that account, 
you get a tax deduction. So um, it allows you to, to, to be able to take benefit of our wonderful tax laws that we have. We're one of the few countries in the world that allows you to actually pay less taxes when you do give back. Um, but sometimes people don't know where to give, and yet they want to take advantage of the tax laws. So they go to an organization like ours. They open up this account. They call it whatever they want. So I have one that's called the Chavijan Family Foundation. And you can put, you know, $1,000 in that account. You get your little $1,000 tax deduction. And now you sit there and you go, okay, now what am I going to do with that $1,000? Who am I going to give it to? You know, and you're not under any pressure. If it takes you a week to decide that, if it takes you a year to decide that, you can. And so basically that's what the National Christian Foundation is. So that's what we do. So that's the national Christian. That's in essence what the National Christian Foundation does is that we we come alongside men and women that have a heart to give and we provide the tools to allow them to give. And again, you don't have to be rich to be a part of the national. You just have to be rich in your desire to want to give back. And uh, and that's in essence what we do now underneath that are a bunch of other things we do. But so we're we have a wonderful close relationships with many of the charities in our community with our many of our churches and houses of worship in our community. We work alongside many of our business leaders in our community. Um, and then we all, we actually are always looking to connect these people and build a real fabric. So whatever the issue is, if there's a homeless issue going on in our community or, or, you know, we, we've had some tragedies in our community. We, we rallied a bunch of people when, when uh, several years ago, we had a school shooting in Stoneman Douglas and, and we were able to pull the church community together and bring counselors together and do some things for the school. Um, and and uh, we, we were just involved in these, um, the, the tragic shooting of these two FBI agents. And we were able to do some things behind the scenes to help the, their families. So, so there's some, some specific things like that. And then looking at organizations that are the fabric of this community who are day in and day out feeding the homeless or caring for the single mom or helping the foster care system going down, you know, all those kind of ideas. Many of our clients are coming to us saying, okay, I've got this thousand dollars or this million dollars, but I don't know where to give it. You know, could you help me decide? I have a heart for homelessness or I want to help the single mother, but you know, I want to be wise in how I do that. And so could you help me? Or I'd like to meet other people that want that have the same heart. So so now that you're the person giving to homelessness, now there's a, others giving and you become friends with the people that have a shared compassion and a shared heart towards homelessness or single parenting or on the list. Right. So, so the common denominator of men and women that say, I've been blessed. And frankly, if you live you know, here in South Florida, doesn't make, make life easy. You know, there are plenty of needs. You see it all the time. You know, it, there are tremendous needs in this community. But at the same time, I'm, you know, I've been blessed that I get to live here. And so at some point you ask yourself, what, what can I do to give back? I, I, there's, I'll shut up here in a second, but there's this one, uh, um, a, uh, a quote I heard once that said, your overflow is someone else's necessity. So think about that. My overflow is someone else's necessity. That extra 20 bucks you have that you don't think twice about um, is for you, maybe as an overflow for someone else. That's the difference of whether I could eat today or not. So it's, it's that perspective. I mean, looking back on it, I grew up um, 
in a welfare family. My, my mom was a single mom and mm. that's very, very, very true. Mm. Um, I was about um, 11 or 12 years old and she was deciding whether she should buy the medicine for my sister or put food on the table. Mm. So back then, I, I mean, for me, it was, I saw that she was making this very tough decision and I thought to myself, never Mm. will I have to put myself in that position and so I I felt for her I'm like oh mom this is not a good place to be but but when you are in a position where you have that extra 20 or 50 or 100 dollars you can make a difference in someone's life and later on in life her goal was to be a difference maker she never had a lot of money but she said Debbie my little money with someone else's little money can go a long way. Yeah, that's great quote, great quote. Yeah, and, and one of the other things we benefit from in South Florida is, you know, we've got men and women that come from all over the country that have um, had, they have, they bring their stories and they bring their experiences um, and they bring their talent. And I think sometimes when we think of generosity or we think of giving back, we, we think of it as only a financial transaction. You know, we sort of see it as almost pity or charity. And, and, and certainly there's an element of that. I can't ignore that. I mean, you know, big part of my, my wife and I, for example, every year create a giving goal. Here's how much we'd like to give away this year. And, um, and it's not, we don't just make up a number and act like wild people, but I mean, it's a number we look at and we discipline ourselves uh, to be able to accomplish that by God's grace. But sometimes we overlook the fact that you're giving, you know, if you can't, if you move in from somewhere else, you come to South Florida and you've got tremendous experience in helping run a nonprofit somewhere else or from an education uh, a university or a, a, some kind of a, a school and you come back and, and you're an educator or you've come back and you, you've run a business or, you know, go down the list, you know, that talent should not be put into a box, you know, and somewhere, but what, how are you able to take that talent and, and begin to, to drip feed that into our community and our culture so that typically the community becomes better and better because of this sort of, you know, mosaic of talent that is coming uh, from all over. So, you know, I, I think of generosity as, as the typical is oftentimes people say it's time, talent, and treasure. It's, you know, it's your time, you know, when you're giving someone of your time, it's your talent, the various talents, we all have different talents. And then it's our treasure it can be, you know, things that are close to us and can be our money. But, you know, so often I think we think of giving back simply as a dollar thing. And, and, uh, and I think it's much more than that. I, and I think it, it's not only us as adults, but it's teaching our children. I just recently mm-hmm. helped a, a gentleman and his wife, uh, they're from the Northeast, purchase a home. And I you know, offered to make an introduction to um, an investor that I had worked with for 20 years. And I said, you know, he's very um, entrenched in the Jewish community. And I'm happy to make that introduction. He said... Debbie, I got that one covered. I invest their money for them. (laughs) It was very interesting how small the world is. Um, So, but they, they were coming down, but uh, that kind of leads me to the next question. And that's how I really got to know you a little bit better. Um, I led a a networking group for women for about three years called Finding Faith and Fortune. And one of our guests was uh, Ginger Martin from American National Bank. And she shared with that group at a luncheon when she spoke 
um, about life work leadership, which um, when I went through that program, I think it was about a nine month program. It taught different characteristics, one of them being generosity. Mm -hmm. um, and you bring together groups of business people who happen to have the gift of um, being good at making money mm -hmm. and, um, and how we can use that to benefit our community. So mm -hmm. would you like to share a little bit more about that and, and how the class, the semester or season of the class works and, and the benefits of it? Yeah, that's great. It's a great question. So um, what ended up happening was um, LifeWork Leadership is a program we run underneath the umbrella of the National Christian Foundation. And it goes back to what I said earlier about this concept of whole life generosity. In other words, everything about my life should be, I, I can either live life as a giver or a taker. If you really want to oversimplify it, you know, it's either I go through life thinking, well, everybody owes me and I'm going to take, 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 and I'm just going to continue to absorb, or I can live life as going, you know what, I'm a blessed person. How can I, how can I give, 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 give? And that might mean, you know, a compliment to somebody, you know, um, you know, is as simple as that, or it might be letting someone go first at the stop sign instead of you, you know, it can be as simple as that, or it's actually the, you know, a financial donation is something or writing a letter of recommendation for somebody or saying something nice to, about somebody on, on social media rather than something mean or ugly. So live life as a giver or a taker. I'm always asking myself, am I giving here or am I taking here? So underneath that umbrella of the National Christian Foundation, we were running into a lot of conversations of men and women that were in the marketplace or in the business world, you know, gone out there working in a doggy dog world, you know, working 50, 60, 70 hours a week and in a hard thing. And, and, and some of them doing very well, some of them struggling along, but they had their they had this com faith component in them. They had a, a, a they had their faith their faith in God. Some of it was really big and strong. Some of it just little faith in God, but there was this element of faith in God. And they expressed to us a frustration about, I don't know how to appropriately integrate my faith with my work. So I feel like this thing that's important to me called my faith, I sort of feel like I have to sort of put it on, on the shelf when I leave for work, go to work, do my job, come back, pick it back up, and I live this sort of bifurcated world, what if I could actually incorporate my faith in my work? Well, what does that really mean? You know, and, and, and how do you do that appropriately? Because so many times people do it inappropriately. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you got to go out there and like in, in your world, you know, you've got to go out there and do your work and do it with absolute excellence. If you went around saying, oh, I'm a Christian woman, I'm a Christian woman, and you were doing a really bad job, doing your, your, your real estate work, then people would say, look, you know, she talks about her faith, but she doesn't know what she's doing when it comes to her job. In fact, she's really bad at it um, versus someone going, you know what? Debbie's really good at her job. I mean, she's, she's one of the best. And you know what? She also has this faith and it complements her job. I mean, you know, I've heard so many times people say, don't go to a Christian car mechanic because they're going to just, you know, charge you double and do a terrible job. Well, you know, it's unfair to anybody who happens to be a car mechanic and is a Christian. But the reality is like, where does that reputation come? So we really began to address that and saying, you know, if through this life work leadership program that you're talking about, you know, be able to say, hey, what if we got together, let's say 50 men and women in our community every year for eight or nine months for half a day a month. 
And we begin to address this topic. So like you said, every month, we one month would be, let's talk about courage. Let's talk about, you know, compassion. Let's talk about integrity. Let's talk about generosity. You know, let's talk about these things. And by bringing in some guest speakers and CEOs of companies and authors of books, and then having a lot of table discussion and interaction and case studies. But the whole idea was, how do we do what we do in terms of our work? Like, be the best at our work. If you've got a business and you want your business to grow, you want your business to death. If you own a restaurant, you want to have the best restaurant in town. If you own, if you are that car mechanic, you want to be the best one in town. At the same time, I also want my faith to not feel like it's compartmentalized. I want to be able to know how to appropriately integrate my faith into my work. And so, um, and that also takes us down this journey because it's, it's, you don't ever reach a plateau. It's you're constantly learning about that kind of stuff. So, so we incorporated that program. Uh, we've also instituted another one since then um, that is for CEOs and business owners only. And uh, it's a little more intense. Well, I'd love to. Yeah, I'd love to know about that too. Yeah. So that one is, we call that one Convene. And that is a small, it's very much like people are familiar with things like Vistage and YPO and some of these other CEO forum groups. It's it's basically the exact same thing, but it's also got a faith component, but it's opportunity for, again, for in a very small group atmosphere for business leaders, CEOs and business owners to sit around uh, and spend a day together working on each other's businesses. And, um, and, uh, and imagine, you know, you able to sit in a room with the CEO of, of this business and this business, and you're not competing. Um, everything's confidential and you're able to share things in that group that you couldn't share anywhere else about your business and then get this advice from your colleagues on things that you could be doing better or improving and so on like that. So, so we're, we're very much excited about, this idea of men and women that are in the workforce that number one, again, be excellent at what you do, be the best real estate agent, be the best developer, be the best boat manufacturer, you know, whatever it is that you are. But then also when you incorporate your faith, it, it, it says volumes about your faith because um, it's, you're not just going around preaching, you know, or putting a fish sticker on your car, but you're actually living it out, you know, every day in, in the marketplace. And, uh, and so that's, that's a big part of what we do. Well, I, I can say that um, hearing the stories of some of the speakers you brought in from all around the country, who mostly were CEOs in some capacity, Christian CEOs, and some of the struggles that they experienced and how they resolved them was very useful and very helpful. And um, as I had shared before our official interview started, um, I would say that in my business, because I have many facets of my real estate practice, I have investments and, and um, luxury rentals, that the men and women that we um, went through this program with are very great um, business partners as well in my world and great referral sources. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's not a competitive mm-hmm. it's nothing like that at all. So, but it's, it's nice to be able to bounce ideas off each other. I, I had mentioned Bob Dennison and then Banyan Air and, and it's just a, a feeling, a feeling, like you said, of confidentiality and, and knowing that someone has the, um, same business 
and life philosophy that you do. Yeah, yeah, that's very well said. No, it's true. It's it's really building a community within a community. I mean, and and that's I think one of the neat things about your, your podcast that you're doing is you're you're inviting people to come to an area and not try to figure out on their own on their own, but to say. Hey, let me help guide you through some opportunities that may exist in terms of how you can develop your community, uh, regardless of your of your background or what your religious affiliation is or whatever it might be. So, you know, I think that's that's important. I mean, that's a big takeaway we get from the people who've gone through the life work program that you're talking about or others is that everybody will. So I like this speaker. I did not like this speaker. Or, you know, this person talked too long. This person talked too short. I, I you know, they, everybody's got an opinion. But one thing we hear across the board is how they loved the, the community. They, they go, I've, I have now, I have new friends and they're real friends. You know, they're not surfacey friends or I, I'm doing business with people that I didn't know um, before. And now I get to do that. So um, that's, that's a rich part of a, especially when you're in a, a community like Florida that, you know, South Florida, and there's a lot of good things going on. It's sometimes a fast paced community. And sometimes people can live in a community, but they feel like they don't have a community. Like they don't really know what's going on. And I, and I know that, um, one of our partners that we can donate to is Hope South Florida. And that was very interesting because not only, um, I have my partner in real estate happens to be Keller Williams. So once a year, mm -hmm. we nationally, we close all of our offices down and select um, a project day. Mm -hmm. And we chose that charity to assist with. So we went in and we painted and, and did a lot mm -hmm. of work. And then I sent in um, my construction team to finish off a couple projects in there. We mm -hmm. did some bathrooms and um, then my Girl Scout troop, they bought bunk beds and furniture um, for the mm. for the inside of the house because we always um, donate 10% of our cookie profits. I teach the girls about tithing and how important mm. it is. So they bought bunk beds and mat and then I bought the mattresses. Yeah. And so I had and I had all of my vendors involved in this project. That's so it was it was teaching them that we have to give back. If I hire you to be part of my team and, and give you my customers who buy houses, yeah. you've got to give back something. Yeah. So I had them involved. And then yeah. my girls, my girls, whether they were five years old or 18 years old, they get to vote on what project mm. they want to help with. And so when they saw the need, you know, I put all, I took slides and put all the pictures up, they got to vote and they wanted to help that year. Yeah. Um, uh, Hope South Florida. So they saw the need. And yeah. I think it's teaching. Um, so it's and, and I thought that, you know, some of the some of the principles from LifeWorks leaderships, how to how to teach and share so people want to get involved. And, yeah. and that brings me to another project that you had introduced, and that was Church United when mm -hmm. we made over a community in a day. Now, how did Church United happen? Yeah, so Church United is another thing we do underneath the umbrella of the National Christian Foundation. So um, under NCF, there's so you know NCF we we work with we help people give money. That's one thing we do, obviously, and then we help people get involved in community. I just described that with LifeWork leadership, and now we've been also working with this idea of bringing churches together to begin to, uh, and we say it's not for unity for the sake of unity, but it's for uh, unity for the sake of mission. In other words. If, if you look at a church community, let's say there's 30 churches within a 10 mile radius of a community, 
um, many of them do things differently, you know, and, and people, well, what's the difference between this Catholic church and this Methodist church and the Baptist guys and the Presbyterian guys. And, you know, some sing real loud, some sing real quiet, some do this, some do that. And it can become confusing. And based on someone's own tradition, they may go, well, you know, I'm always going to the Catholic church or the Baptist church or, you know, whatever. But one thing we continue to, in our dialogue and discussion was saying, you know, there's, there's not a lot of collaboration between the churches, particularly as it, as it comes to, you know, meeting needs in a community, everybody's sort of doing their own thing. And, um, in speaking to the city uh, officials and so on, um, there's always been this dream of what would it be like if we could really begin to, to harness some of the power of the faith community. Um, because typically these are men and women that um, they, they're, they've got a, 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 a deep desire to want to give back or they have a deep desire to grow as a human being. They want to be better moms, better dads, better husbands, better wives. You know, they, they, they typically are decent people. And what could it be if we could begin to harness some of that together? And so we began pulling together some of the, some of the more influential pastors in the area and begin to say, you know, what would it be like if we could start, what would our community look like 20 years from now if we actually work together rather than working apart? And first of all, in order to do that, we've got to become friends. And so we've spent a lot of time in just building relationships. And I can say we've got a long way to go. You know, one of the areas that we're still trying to work on is um, what they call bivocational pastors. And these are men and women that are pastors in a community, but they they might have a, a normal job, per se, during the week. And then on the weekend, they have a little church of 30 people, you know, or 40 people. And uh, we don't you know, those guys get lost. They don't get hit. They don't they don't appear on the radar many times. So how can we help those guys? You know, and they may come out from a Latino um, um, background or a Brazilian background or the Caribbean or the African-American community, or it might be a small enclave of people from, you know, any part of our community have come together um, and go, wait, wait, how can we help those guys be really successful? And what are some things? So that would be an area, if you can begin to harness some of that strength and power um, you can do some pretty cool things together. So, um, you know, uh, again, when there's been tragedies or a hurricane hits or something like that, that's where you start seeing really that muscle come together because, um, the, you know, typically your churches are, are your first responders. And, um, and so that, that's, that's what we've been doing. And, um, it, it feels like it's been very successful. Well, thank you. That's very kind. We feel like it's like herding cats sometimes, um, you know, trying to get all the pastors to work together and all that. But, you know, if you start working on building relationships, then, you know, there's a better chance for them to actually work together, you know, because if, if you don't like me and I don't like you, then we can talk all day long about working on a project together. We're not going to work on that. But if we actually like each other, then guess what? You know, we're going to say, Hey, I got this idea. Let's go do this together. And you go, yeah, I like, yeah, let's go do that. So we've been doing that. And, and it, we're so excited because there's, there's just some amazing stories that have come together with these church communities. And, and I, if we had more time. I could tell you all kinds of stories, but yeah, there's some good stuff going on. I, I think that is the key. And I, I think that if you put everybody in a room, I think the end goal is the same Mm. It's just how you get there. Mm. And yeah, people awesome. have different ideas on how to get there, but they all want the same thing for, 
for the body of Christ or the body of their community. They want their their people to be well fed, well taken care of, yeah. but there may be different ideas on how to get there. Yep. So, yeah, tagline. And, and that's the thing. Yeah, so. tagline we use is typically, you know, let's make South Florida the best place to live. Yes. So, you know, so regardless of your background or if you're a Christian or not a Christian or you, whatever your faith background is, whether you're young, you're old, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're, you know, whatever, go down the list. You know, we deeply desire. I want to live in a safe neighborhood. I want to live in a community that has the wonderful arts. I want to live in a community that takes care of its aging well. I want to live in a community that has good schools. I want to live in a community that's a great place to start a business. I mean, all these things are indicators of a healthy community. And frankly, that we feel the faith community should be leaning in and helping those things. Um, whereas if you didn't have faith in a community and you had, you know, the, you, you ended up having a bunch of isolated people, everybody out for themselves, you know, then, then you begin to say, well, that doesn't really help build a fabric of a community. It begins to tear it apart. So. Um, you know, we want low crime rates. We want l low poverty rates. I mean, we want those. Well, then how, how do we do it? And we need to do it together. Okay. So I'm going to ask you two more questions because our, no, I know our time is limited. So um, how do people get in touch with you and get involved? That's the, that's the first thing. Well, the first, yeah, the first, the easiest thing in terms of getting in touch with me is, is, um, is actually by going through my, uh, my office or, you know, con uh, contacting the National Christian Foundation of, of South Florida. And, um, and that's where they can find me or, or one of my staff. And, and uh, that, that's probably the easiest thing. Um, and uh, so it's the National Christian Foundation of South Florida. The phone number is 954-771-0110 and or just Google National Christian Foundation of South Florida and you'll find it. And so, will life work leadership information be on there as well? Yeah, there's typically life work leadership information there and everything else. And if you can't find it, um, you just make a phone call and say, hey, I'm calling and I'm inquiring about life work leadership and so on. Life work leadership, we took a pause with it during covid because obviously we weren't able to meet in person, um, as we all know, and we went we went virtual. And so we've been doing little monthly life work leadership, um, little experiences. Um, and those are actually free. Uh, the typical life work experience you have to pay for for this. So we've been bringing in virtually all kinds of wonderful guest speakers um, in uh, in April. We have. Um, if, if you know the name Horst Schultz, he's the co-founder of Ritz Carlton. Yes, he is. He's, yeah. he's been a speaker for us many times. I, yeah, I love so hearing from him. He's good. So we, we had him speak for us at the beginning of COVID last year, being in the hotel business. We're like, okay, how's that working out? And then we thought, wow, a year later, it'd be really good to sit there and go, okay, you know, we're, we're a year into this. So, so it's that kind of stuff we do, but yeah, if you go to our, our um, Google national Christian foundation, South Florida, or the phone number I just gave you, um, you know, there's always information there. So, and we're going to be launching a version of life work here in September, October of this fall. So right now we're just doing the virtual and then we'll, we're getting ready to rev up again. So you'll have the informational meetings where people can understand more about it. Pretty We're in the, yes, in the process of getting all that together right now. Yeah. Okay. So now the last thing I have for you, and I always enjoy uh, these stories, is um, where you share 
but it was like your grandfather, Billy Graham, actually took you on the road with him. And then you've shared a couple stories about with your grandmother, how deep and strong her faith was, even when she was aging. Um, I remember one of the stories you shared was that she, I think, had you write Bible verses in super large letters because mm. she was losing her sight. Um, so if you could share one or two stories with us, that would be awesome. Oh, you're so kind. You've got an amazing memory. Um, I will. Uh, yeah, both of them were are passed away now and they were just incredible human beings. They really did work as a team. A lot of attention went to my grandfather, Billy Graham. And if you're listening to this and you go, I don't know who Billy Graham is. Um, usually we say if you're under age 40, you may not know if you're over, you probably do know. But he was a very famous preacher. Um, world famous, you know, cover of Time Magazine kind of stuff, that kind of stuff. Um, very, uh, you know, was on television, radio and big, large stadium events and all that. So he was quite a famous and I am his first and oldest grandchild. Um, and then my grandmother was the, you know, the, the force behind the man. I mean, she was the um, as he was traveling the world, you know, she uh, she played such a, a rock solid role in his life, raising the kids and being that being, you know, basically a truly a partner. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, she's just the housewife and I get to go out and do that. She was truly a partner. And um, she was an incredible woman of God. She was spunky, spunky, spunky. Um, a lot of fun to be with. But I'll briefly tell you one story. I was traveling with him. I was about 12 or 13 years old. And uh, he invited me to sort of shadow him when he went to these cities. And he usually, you know, again, he had a team of people around him. You know, it was a big, big deal. And I'm this little 13-year-old kid in a big person's world and wearing a sport jacket and a tie. You know, people dress up in the back in the day. And I got to meet the mayor of the city and get to do all kinds of super cool, fun stuff for a 13-year-old. And I will often tell people that I was with him for about two weeks straight. And, um, you know, I never saw a disconnect from the public man and the private man. And I think in today's world where we're sometimes scratching our head around about authenticity and integrity, um, it was not that I was looking for it, but if I had seen it, I think it would have it would have bothered me. You know, if I would have seen him say something publicly that was really nice and wonderful and then make a derogatory comment you know, behind closed doors or a dirty joke or, you know, or, you know, treat his, treat one of his uh, teammates poorly. Then I would thought, man, there's a disconnect. What's going on here? But I never saw that disconnect, which, you know, I'm 57 years old now. So you think back, I was 13 at the time. You think back like that little glimpse, you know, really impacted my life. And, um, and I think we need more of that today. I mean, you know, whether it's in politics or religion or business or whatever, we, you know, we, we hear the rhetoric, you know, and, and then we see the behavior that doesn't match with the rhetoric or, or unfortunately sometimes does match with the rhetoric and yet it doesn't attach to character. I still believe character counts. You know, I think in this world, character still counts. And uh, I think people are, dying to, to they want to know that they, they they get bothered when they hear about a you know something a pastor running off with his his secretary or stealing money from the church or you know having an, an affair or, you know whatever i mean you know it bothers them they go well, wait a minute this is a man or a woman of god and yet they go out and do this or you know a politician that says you know promises one thing and delivers 
something very different. So, yeah. So for me, the private man, public man, that's, that's one story. I have many more, but you know, that, that would be for another podcast. I will share with you what you said is exactly true because both of my children uh, did go to Calvary Christian Academy and my, my son is now 23 and it was really in ninth or 10th grade there. He, he saw a disconnect he, he would see both adults and kids act one way when they were being watched and act a different way. And to this day, um, I mean, he saw it as hypocrisy. He saw it for what it was. And he said, Mom, you never act a different way. And when you do something wrong, you say you're sorry because we all do things wrong. We're not perfect. And he said, but it's very clear that that some people put on a show and profess to be a certain way, but they have two different sides, and I can't take that. Yeah, and, um, and it and it can present a challenge for a lot of people. Right. So um, I'm I'm very upfront in my business and at home. What you see is what you get, and I I rather tell you the truth now and disappoint you now. So in my business dealings, I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you the truth and yeah. it will either work for you or not. And my, I raised my kids like that. And, and like you, I think character counts and I think good manners never go out of style. So, mm-hmm. and I think um, every place in South Florida, I think we're here to experience this wonderful community and, and make it a better place. And it's up to every one of us to do that. Yeah. Well said. Well said. I agree. Um, and it's good to see that you're, you're being able to be that example to your kids and to your, to the people you work with and, and serve. So congratulations. Well, thank you for sharing so much. And I think that the people that are moving here or maybe have been here for a while, but haven't got connected or plugged in, we've now given them uh, two or three resources to get pl- uh, plugged in and on the right path if they're business owners or thought about starting a business or want to know how to have a more programmed giving way. I think that that has helped. And, and certainly um, I'm looking forward uh, to the next season of uh, Life Work Leadership for sure. Thank, thank you so much for your time. Have a great weekend with all those grandkids coming over and um, look forward to seeing you. Thank you. you our guest on, um, on Lifestyle with um, South Florida. Okay, thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven-module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand, and I'll show you the way to learn to earn 
flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.